0: Welcome to the podcast of C3 Church with today's message. Nehemiah chapter 2 verses 17 and 18. I want to read a few passages there and then we're going to jump right into this. Amen. When you get there, say, I have it. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17 says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies in waste and its gates are, are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. This is the prophet Nehemiah speaking to the people of Jerusalem. And then verse 18, it says, and I told them of the hand of, of my God, which had been uh, good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. Because it, Nehemiah not only had the hand of God on him, but he also had the permission of the king. Uh, This is why marketplace is so, so important, because the king can be a supplier. The king can be something in the marketplace. The king can provide resources. And see, if we think that we can only get resources from church folks, we're sadly mistaken, because there are a lot of people outside of church that are willing to give. Amen, somebody. Uh, Well, it was in the Bible an awful lot because we had a lot of pagan kings that actually helped with the rebuilding of the wall. Amen. So God can use anybody. He can use anybody. And so this is what Nehemiah was doing. So he said, so... uh, that the the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build, which is where I get my theme from. Uh, Since January, I've been talking about rising up and building from this particular passage. Then they set their hands to do this good work. And so we can rise up and build, but it's going to take all of us. And we're going to have to set our hands. And when I say rise up and build, I don't think I'm necessarily talking about a new building. I know God is going to give us a new building. I'm not even concerned about that. But what I'm talking about is rising up and building yourself. Because I'm not going to build a new building and you still not built. I'm just, I am just, already told my wife, I ain't interested in, in, in buying property and building a building if you're not ready. We're going to stay right here. Right? Because I'm not going to have that headache. You better know I understand how everything works and so we're not I know what God is going to do and I know what God can do but he wants to do it through his people right and I'm not interested in moving without all of you okay Nehemiah was a contemporary of Israel Uh, They prophesied together. And so what he was doing here, he wanted to come and encourage the people by challenging them about building walls. See, we need to have some walls built in our lives. Yeah, you got to have some kind of walls in your life. Amen. Especially as a Christian, you can't let everything in. Yeah, yeah, everything can't come in. Right? Amen, somebody. See, some Christians got spiritual aids. Yeah, yeah, you know, AIDS, people with AIDS, they can't fight off little diseases and, and viruses that we can because their immunity system has been broken down. And see, with AIDS, you know, they, they, everything that gets around them, they catch it. And a lot of Christians got spiritual AIDS because everything around them, they catch it. Every little doctrine, they are on it. You know, they start acting like the world, talking like the world. You know, they can't even stand up for God in the midst of adversity. I'm not talking about you. I'm probably talking about somebody else right now. But I'm just saying you've probably seen that in yourself. So, you know, we we can sometimes we, we have to recognize what's going on. Amen, somebody. I'm sorry. I slipped that one in there. And so a little bit about this. I didn't read it in this passage, but something you got to understand because I believe there is a principle here that we all need to understand. Because the moment Nehemiah went to the people and told the people, he challenged the people to start doing what God had called them to do. The moment that began to happen, uh, Samballot and Tobiah, as well as Geshem, came up to oppose the work of God. I just want to tell you this, guys. When you get into, into position with God, expect opposition from the devil. Right. There are always going to be people to try to convince you to not do what God has called you to do. And so you got to understand that heaven is always going to challenge or hell is always going to challenge what heaven has called you. So the moment you get a word from God, there's a challenge coming because he's going to send somebody your way to try to convince you that ain't God. The moment you begin to align yourself with what God is saying, your car going to break down. I'm telling you right now, as soon as you say, God, I will. But stuff start breaking in the house. Your children start tripping. Amen, somebody. And then your spouse start. Yeah, stuff start happening. (laughs) Our challenge here is to rise up to strengthen our hands So that we can build together and we can't build like we want. We got to build only according to the pattern of God. If you was here Sunday, I don't have time to recapitulate on that. But if you was here Sunday, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So now I want you to I want you to go right. Go back to Matthew chapter 16 There's a couple of things I want to extrapolate from Matthew 16 uh, in your hearing before we move forward. Is that all right? See, see that me church mentality is nothing more than cognitive dissidence. That's all it is because people want it their way, but they don't necessarily want Yahweh. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because, because the church is not a safe space for sinners, nor is it an anointing addiction fix for saints. Yeah, uh-huh. See, y'all, yeah, see, see, they got a... Mm. And we got an aw. But I ain't get one amen. Amen. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. See, it's not a safe space. You, if you're a sinner, you're supposed to be getting saved. That's right. There you go. You're not supposed to be comfortable when the word of God is That's being preached. Right. You're supposed to be squirming. That's right. Amen. It's something, boy. That's why they say people are judging me. No, we're not judging you. We're just pointing out some things that might need to change in your life. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. Anyhow. No, we don't. we're not judgmental. No, we're just teaching the truth. And sometimes the truth has the propensity to not feel so good. (laughs) I'm going to put it that way. Right? And so a lot of times, especially people in the world, they don't know the difference between conviction and judgment. No, no. Really, what you got was convicted because you know you're living wrong. We're not judging you because you're living wrong. You got convicted because you know you're living wrong. I don't know what you're doing. All I do is preach the gospel, and the good news of hope is what penetrates your heart, and it exposes the darkness in every place. You, you can't hide any secrets from God. He knows everything about you, and all he needs is a man or a woman of God to come up with the true gospel message, and you get exposed for the fraud you are. Mm-hmm. I see, I see, I see, I see how this is going to go. All right, we're going to have to fight then, okay? All right, we're going to fight in the spirit today. Amen. I I got my foot on the neck of the devil, and I'm not getting off of it. Amen. Amen. And see, this is a place where Jesus can turn something beautiful into something that was burned. See, there's a scripture in the Bible that, see, he says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Good graces of life. And see, ash is what's left over when something has been burned all the way up. And see, some of you have been burned. Some of you have been abused. Some of you are going through depression. Some of you have been victimized, and all you have left are ashes. God can turn something beautiful from something that's been burned. I'm telling you, God can move in your life. You can go through a hard time in your life, and God can take your past and give you a beautiful future. I'm telling you, he can, he can turn the ashes. Somebody said to turn the ashes. He can, he can, man, he said, I'll give you beautiful ashes. He said, I, I'll give you joy for mourning. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that he can, You've can been mourning. Stop mourning. Yeah. That's, what, that's what God told, told Samuel. He said, Samuel, why are you weeping? Yeah. He said, Joshua, why are you crying? Yeah. I've already picked another. Yeah. And we sitting back crying. Oh, God, please. No, God said, get up. David crying when his son died, and the son of the child died. David got up, washed himself, and went to church to worship. Telling you, you're going to have to get up, saints of God. You're going to have to get up. The Bible said, rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Let me tell you something. The degree to which you arise will be the degree to which you shine. You can't shine until you get up. It said, arise and shine. It is a shine so you can rise. No, you're going to have to do something. Somebody say, I got to do something. I got something. Come on, saints of God. God. God has already done enough. We're going to have to pick ourselves up and say, devil, no, no more. No more struggles. I'm not going to struggle with this anymore. I'm, I'm sick and tired of this depression. I'm not going to be in it anymore. I, I, I know I've been disenfranchised, but I'm not going to act like it. I know I've been in the fire furnace, but I'm not going to smell like smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody say, God, God, build upon the ashes. Build upon the ashes. Yeah. Last Sunday, we discovered the profundity of the word of God by receiving a revelation straight from the Father. We know that, um, well, just, let's just read it. Y'all ready want to read it again? Okay, Matthew chapter 16. Uh, let's look at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some said John the Baptist, which is probably one of the dumbest things anybody could say, because John the Baptist is the one that baptized him. Some said Elijah, and others said Jeremiah. And one said, the prophets, (laughs) one of the prophets. And he said to them, now, who do you say that I am? You see how Jesus will always turn the tables back to you. At first he said, who do they say I am? But that's really not what I'm trying to get to. What I'm trying to get to is who do you say that I am? See, saints of God, that's what's important right now. you got to know who Jesus is in your life. Who is he to you? Because the devil is always going to come with a question, did God really say He's asking the same question he did in the book of Genesis. Did God really say because he already knows what God has already said and he knows it better than most Christians. That's why he'll even use scripture to try to tie you up. I'm telling you right now, he'll use it. He'll use it on you. And you don't even know that he's using scripture on you. So he said, who do you say that the son of man? Verse 16 and Simon Peter gets one right. And Simon Peter said, Simon Peter, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, I believe, got very excited when he heard that because of what he just said. Jesus answered and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. So in other words, Simon got something from the father that he didn't get from Jesus. He got a revelation of who Jesus was. Oh, my God. See, God wants to give you a revelation of who he is through Jesus by the Spirit. See, he wants you to understand his fatherhood. He said, blessed are you, Simon, bar, bar, son of Jonah, dove, son of the dove. So he was in the Spirit to get a revelation because you can't get a revelation unless you're in the Spirit. Come on, saints of God. And so we're trying to feed spiritual things to people who are in the world, and you get mad when they don't receive it. But but they can't. Amen. Amen. Because the, the, the natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God, nor can he know them because they must be, if he don't have the Spirit, how are they going to spiritually discern it? Amen. See, they can't. So what you need to do is back off. Yep. Yep, yep. Because a lot of the stuff that we're trying to tell people that are in the world, they can't get it. They can't get it unless they're in the spirit, saints. What they need more than anything is your love. Yeah. Yeah. They need your, your listening ear. They need your understanding. They may not get saved right away, but That's you just right. keep loving on them. That's right. You keep walking in character. You keep walking with integrity. You keep loving them even when they get mad at you. That's right. Amen. But don't you get upset Amen. because the moment you get upset, now you out of the spirit. Uh-oh. Yeah. Right? That's why I don't debate. You're not going to get me upset. I don't have to get upset about truth. I'm already set free. And since I'm delivered from people, I don't really care if you like what I got to say or not. Right? I'm going to just give it to you. You can process it. You can ask me questions about it. But I'm going to sleep good. Why? Because we are commanded to defend the faith. Well, the Bible says contend for the faith. In other words, you should be able to to go uh, and talk to people who are against your faith, and you should be able to defend why you believe, right? Because a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I have experienced the Lord of glory in my life. I have seen him deliver me. I have seen him work in my life. I have seen him when I had nothing going, but God stepped in, and because I have an experience with him, I'm never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I would never be at the mercy of a man with a theory. Come on now. Come on. You think that might be the truth, but you better know, what the truth is. And the truth is not a neuter pronoun. The truth is a person. It's Jesus. Amen. Yeah. He said, I am the truth. Yeah. Yeah. He's a person. It's Jesus Christ. And you can't find any truth outside of him. Amen. Amen. And so you got to know in whom you believe. So he was challenging him for, for Peter got a revelation. And here's where the Catholics get it wrong. He said, uh, and, and I say also, I say unto you, you are Peter. Remember what that word was from last Sunday? Petros, Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, Petros, Petros. It means a small stone. He said, you are Peter and upon this rock, Petra, Petra, P-E-T-R-A, Petra. That's a large stone. Two different things. Jesus was not saying he was going to build the church upon Peter, Petros. He said, I am going to build my church upon the rock, Petra. I don't believe he was trying to make, uh, 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 um, he was comparing the two Peters. I, I believe what he was doing was showing us the two differences, yeah. right? That, that he is going to use a man, but he's not going to build it on the man. Right. Right. That he has to use you to build the church, but he already has the pattern. Right. He has to be the foundation. And he said, upon this rock. Petra, I will build mine. Somebody said mine. He didn't say I'm going to build his church. Speaking of Peter, he said I'm going to build my church. So if it's his church, it can't be me church. If it's his church, you don't have any say so on what he does in his church. He can move when he wants to move. He can bless when he wants to bless. He can start when he wants to start, and he can finish when he wants to finish. So you might have your little, uh, your little list of what you think church should be, but if your little list don't line up with God's church, you can throw that little thing away. Amen. Am I talking to the right people here? Amen. He said, "I will build my church." It's the word ecclesia, ecclesia. He said, I will build my church. That word ecclesia means the assembly formed by calling out because the church is a calling out. He's calling us out, saints of God. He is bringing us out from darkness and translating us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's bringing us from, from something to something. He didn't bring you out to sit you there. We got work to do, saints of God. You didn't just get saved and now I'm good. I can go back and live like hell. I can smoke weed, crack. I can cuss folks out. I can do it because that man told me once, save I always, say, the devil is a liar. You got some work to do. You got some work to do, saints of God. I don't believe that theology for one moment because the Bible speaks of this word called turning your life around. Turn. To turn means to repent. To repent means not 360. To repent means 180 and going in a different direction. Now, you telling me, that I can say some little prayer at this altar and once saved, always saved, no matter what I do, I still get to heaven. I can go murder, cheat. I can cheat on my wife. I can cheat on my taxes, and God is going to let me in the kingdom that is diametrically opposed to the word of God. How are you going to be a liar and a fornicator? And when the Bible is specific, it says you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm just saying, saints of God, So either man's theology is wrong or that Bible is wrong, and I'll just stick with the Bible for 300. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to just stick with the Word of God. This is why we got to study the Bible. Amen. Are you with me, guys? I don't mean to scream, but I'm excited. Can you tell? Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. So so Jesus said, I am going to build my church, and this is how we need to build. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and one other thing the Lord said that I got to use more scriptures on Sundays. Because people don't go in the Bible enough on Sunday morning, and that's why people stop bringing their Bibles. They stop bringing it because they don't use it in church. Why are you bringing it? You don't need it. You got screens. A lot of things that I tell you today, you're going to have to write it down. I didn't put it on the screen for you. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read a few passages here. How should we build? That's the question, right? Go to First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. Is everybody there? I'm sorry. For we are God's fellow. Anybody need a Bible? I am so sorry. Bless you. I am so sorry. Anybody needs a Bible? We have plenty because it's important that you see what's in the Word of God. By show sure of hands, let me see. If you need a Bible, we'll get one for you. Amen. All right. So you guys got it. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Who, who, who's the building? Who's the building? He said, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. So who's the building? We are. are. So he's not talking about four walls. So you see what he's interested in building? People. People. And if you can't build the people, why build a building? Because you got people in a building that's not built. (laughs) Are you hearing me, saints? This is why I got to read it out of words so you can see it. I'm not, I'm not just trying to tell you what to think. I do want to show you how, amen. It's not my job to tell you what to think, but it is my job to show you in the scriptures and you determine how to think, amen. And so Apostle Paul says this, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a what? A wise master builder or a wise architect. I have laid the foundation and there's only one foundation guys and another one builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds. Take heed how you build. You can't build how you want to. You can only build the way God said the pattern is. Amen. And I'm afraid that sometimes churches have gotten it twisted, and, and we, we, have, we have morphed the church of God into a man-centered church. We want to make sure that you are appeased. We want to make sure that you're good. We're not going to offend you much. We're not going to talk about the cross. We're not going to talk about blood because a lot of people don't want to talk about that. We're not going to tell you that you need to repent. We're going to pat you on the back and say you're a good little Christian. As long as you give me your tithe check, you are going to be good. We better take heed how we build. Amen, somebody. Right? And so, so, now, all I'm saying is, I'll I, I, I use that as a general statement, but I'm just saying, there are a lot of people that are doing it right. Amen? But I'm just saying, you know there are a lot of people doing it wrong, too. Right? When when the tithe is more important than, than the person that's broken, that don't have any money, they've been living under a bridge for three months, but yet you... Okay, my my bad. I went out there for a second. Let me come back. I don't know if y'all ready for that. That's that evangelist evangelist spirit coming out, praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen, because y'all know, man, that's what people say. I don't go to church anymore because all they wanted was my money. Right? Right? You just coming in to get your heart healed and three hours on the message and you ain't even got to the message. That was the message of the offering. (laughs) Y'all know I'm telling the truth. You got five different lines. Oh, see, I'm getting ready to. God, just man, y'all ain't gonna. Y'all stop asking me those questions. I'm. I gotta stay right here. <laughs> now, five different lines at the altar. A fifty dollar, hundred dollar. line. Uh, saints, I'ma be the first one to bless the pastors and. I have in my pocket. I'm thinking that brother getting ready to whoop out a wad, right, like a grand. I have $50. $50? Who's going to match it? There you go. Who's going to match? Throwing money on the altar. I'm sorry, guys. I just get so, I don't know, my heart. My heart grieves when I see stuff like that because they're desecrating Papa's house. Yeah. And my heart is, it, 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 okay, I'm sorry. Okay, let me, can I, let me get back. Let me read the Bible. Take heed how you build, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid. And what's that? In Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, now, now you see, the, now he's making a comparison here. If anyone builds with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will begin, will become clear for the day will declare because it will be revealed by fire and the fire would test each one's work to see what sort it is. So in other words, saints of God, what Apostle Paul is saying here is the fact that if you try to build on something other than the foundation of Jesus your foundation or your church or what you're trying to build is going to be tried by fire to see what sort it is, and if it don't line up with Jesus, God said, I'm going to burn it up. You try to build up on, I'm smart, I'm educated, I got a theological degree, I'm going to build on that. You're going to have ashes. Because God said that the only thing that you can build on it's on my foundation, and Apostle Paul just said it's on the foundation of Jesus Christ because he's the chief cornerstone. He's not only the chief cornerstone, he's the foundation, and he's the center of all things. Amen? Amen. See, You see what I'm saying here, saints? This is why we got to take heed how we build, even in this house. We got we to make sure that we're following the pattern of God. I'm not trying to cookie-cut this ministry to look like somebody else's. I don't have to do that. All we have to do is follow God, and we have to stay close and in tune with what he's saying. That's why we gotta stay uh Uh, prayed up, and we got to continue to fast corporately together, more and more together, man, because when you fast and you pray, the prophetic comes out, and we can hear what Papa is saying, so that we can know his heart's true intentions, and once we know his intentions, it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. We pray that they are blessed, but we just want to do what Papa is saying. It doesn't make us better. It just makes us in tune with what God is saying to us. I'm not trying to be better than any church or any pastor. I just want to hear what God is saying for me. Yeah. Is this making sense at all? Yeah. Please hear my heart in this thing. So God, I, I just want I want to know what God is saying. I want to thus say it God for my own life. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are you saying to me, God? Yeah. What, what do you have for me to do? Yeah. Sometimes I just don't know. Sometimes yeah. things just don't add up. And so I need you in my life right now. I need to hear your voice right now. Yes, hallelujah. yes thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, hallelujah. Because when you look at the world. When you look at the world, saints, they need us. Yes. Yes. They need us. So we got to get out of the four walls and we got to get out in the community, guys. But listen, if you still busted and broke up, you can't help nobody else. There you go. And you come in here and get the word every Sunday, you still toe up? This is why God is sending the fivefold ministry. I'm going to show you this in a second to mend the people of God. And this is why the church is a dysfunctional church because a lot of churches don't even recognize the fivefold. I'm not giving you any new revelation. I don't I, I, don't know any new revelation out of the Bible. How can I give you something new that's already written? Yeah. Right. I, I, you can only discover revelation. You, 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 that's all. You can't create it. Nobody. You can't get up and say, oh, the Lord gave me a new revelation. You don't have a new revelation. <laughs> Amen. All you've done is discover something you didn't know. Amen. Amen. You ain't the first one to preach it. Out of all the preachers in the world, you think you're the first one to preach something out of the Bible? See, you see you see that foolishness? See, we got to stay humble. We got to go low. See, we got to take the low road to get to high heights. Right? But people don't want to be humble. That's why they got to have titles. No, I'm somebody now. I got a title now. Oh, no, you, just, you need to go low. Okay, all right. Can I give you a little bit more of this? The Apostle Paul, he he founded the church in Corinth. That's what we was reading here in Greece. And like most churches that came out of paganism, they're going to come with a lot of problems, pressures, and predicaments. So when you come out of the world, you bring all that stuff in the church. Amen? But even though you bring it in, you should bring it in. Right? Because this is the best place for you. Right? But if you've been here for a minute, now let me, let me talk to some mature folks right now because the baby Christians are going to get mad at what I'm about to say. Let me talk with the mature saints. If you've been in here getting the word for a minute, don't you know you shouldn't be struggling with the same old stuff you came in with? Exactly. At some point, you should have gotten delivered from something. Yes, you mean you hear the word of God every Sunday and you haven't gotten delivered from nothing? You still just as broke and tore up as you were when you first came into the house of the Lord? And you're still struggling with the same old things. The problem's not with the preaching. The problem is you. Amen. No, I'm not taking responsibility for nobody else. No, I'm giving you the word of God. It's up to you to take it, eat it, gurgitate it, all that stuff, so that you can grow from it. Amen. Amen. See, because this is a mature word. The, the church notoriously has been immature. People been in church for 30 years, they don't even understand the biblical, biblical principles about us being mended. And so you got 2,000 broke people in the church. They toe up. They shout and ah! they got smoke. Shh. It's a concert. And they walk out of there still broke and tow up as when they walked in. Why? Because they don't really get the gospel. Because they got to keep them happy because it's me, church. Can I level the playing field here for you guys? I ain't here to make you happy. I'm here to disturb everything inside of you. Amen, Because that's the only way, man, you're going to start seeing stuff. It starts churning inside of you. You know who does that? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost starts churning stuff. Stuff you, you, oh, God, I know I need to deal. Oh, gosh, I know, Lord, you just showed me. Some of y'all are getting pinpointed right now. Here's some stuff. You, listen, listen, and listen, let me, can I, let me just set something straight here. You do not have to come to the altar to repent for everything. You can repent right there in your seat. You can get healed right there in your seat. You can get delivered right there in your seat. You don't need no man laying hands on you. All you need to do is take the word of God, receive it, and walk in it and get delivered. See, that take away all that foolishness that you see in church. Amen. Oh, I gotta get to the pastor. No, you better get to the Word, because you may not get me in a lane, because we work. We gotta make some money. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And so, so, but you can get to the Word. Call God. You almost made me go there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Is this making sense at all? All right, let me give you, you some. Y'all looking at the PowerPoint, let me give you something. One of the basics of apostolic ministry is it understands the blueprint of God and the order of the building from beginning to end. Apostolic ministry can sit down with other ministries and tell them where they fit and how they function within the blueprint or the building of God. This is why... And apostolically-led ministry is so important today, and I'm going to get into that in just a second, but we got to understand um, when Apostle Paul said, according to the grace that God has given me over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that word grace is the word kairos, kairos. Somebody say kairos. Roll that R, ri, kairos, okay? And so, so that's kairos, and it means a specific endowment for a task. It, it's the anointing. And what I've discovered, saints of God, that, that there are three dimensions of the anointing. I told you guys at Bible study I was going to talk about this. So here, here's where I'm getting ready to hit it. There, there are three dimensions to the anointing. So, so I'm, let me give you this definition. The anointing is not a thing. Rather, it is an unction with an action tied to it. So it's not just you jerking, but there's an action tied to the anointing for you to do a specific work. So in other words, grace is not a get out of hell free card. Grace is the unction. Grace allows you to do the things that Jesus has called you to do. People use grace to get out of stuff. But grace was never meant to get out of things. The reason I can say that is because Jesus never used grace to get out of sin. But he was full of grace. So what did he use grace to do? He used grace to advance the cause of his father. We use grace to advance, not to get out of stuff. See, we have turned grace, me church. Well, God knows my heart, me. Mm -hmm. Me church, me church. He knows my, yeah, he knows your wicked heart. He does. He He knows it better than you do. Mm -hmm. You ain't hiding nothing from God. You might hide it from the church, but you ain't hiding nothing from God. And a lot of times when you come to church, God reveals through the message who you really are, and then you get mad at the messenger. (laughs) See, man, this kind of preaching, man, it is not popular. I know it. I know it. I know it. it. It is a smearing, and grace is the actual content of the smearing. It is grace that is smeared or anointed on a person so that they are empowered for their metron, their measure. They're to fulfill God's particular unique calling. So I, oh man, let me show you this. There are three dimensions to the anointing. It's suk. means poured out, poured out. When the anointing oil, oil was poured out upon an individual, it ran down over the surface of the body and, and it, it excited the senses, but it quickly dissipated. See, that's a poured out anointing. Somebody say poured out. That's a poured out anointing. This is the first anointing. I I correlate this first anointing because David was anointed three times. Uh The first anointing was, you remember, when Samuel anointed him the first time. Right? But he never took over the throne because King Saul was there. Amen. Right? So this first anointing, I, I correlate that to your salvation experience. See, I correlate it to your salvation experience because this is the first time you sense the anointing. It it was poured out. And in the last days said, God, I will pour out my spirit. And so he, he, he poured it out so you can sense what God is doing. It's a salvation experience, but it won't keep you. See, a lot of people dwell right here in the poured out experience, and this is why they got to jump from relationship to relationship, from church to church, from conference to conference, because they want their senses ex- exercised and they want to be excited on the outside, but nothing is changing on the inside. It's poured out. You, are you, is this making sense? It's a poured out. But you don't stay right there because then you need the massage, the smeared on. Right? The smeared on anointing, I equate this one to being filled with the spirit. First level, second level. Amen? So this one is the first level of the anointing won't keep you. You, you can come down and say a prayer. That, that ain't going to keep you guys. You're going to be backsliding before you know it. Because it's going to take more than saying a prayer to altar to keep you. Uh, like my dad always say, it's, it's easier getting something than it is keeping it. That's why you got to work out your salvation. You're going to have to work to keep it. I said, you're going to have to work to keep it. God is not going to make you keep <laughs> your salvation. Amen. All right. And so so <laughs> here we go. So you must stand still long enough for the smeared on anointing. So in other words, to be filled with the Spirit, you, you're going to have to stand still for this one. They had to the tarry in Jerusalem. They didn't run everywhere. They stayed. They had to stand. They had to pray and fast. They had to seek Papa's face. They had to stand still for the smeared-on anointing. Right? Because when you smear something on, that you you, you kind of you rubbing it in a little bit. Right? Not, but it's not the complete soaking yet. But what this does change is how you act, how you talk, the people you hang around. Now, this last anointing is what we don't talk about because a lot of people want to stay right here. Filled with the Spirit. This last anointing is maturity. This one is rubbed in. See, when you rub in something, (laughs) it can be abrasive at times to rub in this anointing. See, Jesus said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 4. Go down. I forgot this was Bible class. <laughs> Luke chapter 4. I can't just tell you stuff. I got to show you in the Bible. Luke 4, 18. Are you, are you getting with me here on this? Okay. Luke 4, 18. Jesus said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has what? Anointed me. When you look that up in the Greek, it's Creole. Is a rubbed-in anointing. Why? Because Jesus walked in maturity. He just does not want you to be saved. He doesn't want you to be filled. He wants you to be grown. Maturity. And this is where we're missing it in the church because we got a lot of spirit-filled immature Christians. Yeah, Yeah, just because you can speak in tongues don't make you better than anybody else. You you just, just sit down. Just because you got a prophetic word. That don't, don't make you a prophet. Hello, am I talking to the right folks here? You, you, you probably hadn't even been in, in a Christian long enough to understand what a prophet it truly is. First of all, every prophet is humble. And if you're not humble, if you can't receive from an authoritative person that's in the house of God, you're not a prophet. Because if I just sit you down and you can't sit there and you leave, you're definitely not God's prophet. Because a prophet is humble. If you got a word from God, it doesn't matter if you give it or not. Yeah. It don't affect you. You're supposed to give it to somebody else. And if it's from God, God will make sure that person comes to you. Yeah. See, you see, you see. That's somebody say maturity. maturity. See, see, a lot of folks ain't ready for a mature word. Right? But we got to be grown in the house of God, saints. I'm telling you, man. And this, this is what's hurting us right here. We, we got that part. A lot of us sit right there and that's why a lot of us backslide because that ain't enough to keep you. That ain't enough. This ain't enough to keep you either. Just because you spirit filled don't make you mature. You spoke in tongues, but you still cussing. That ain't maturity. See? Yeah. Okay. All right. I know this is not popular. I know I know it is not popular, but we gonna, can I give you a little bit more anyway? Y'all still with me? Are you sure? All right. I'll give you a little bit more. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to say maturity. From January, I've been talking to this church about maturing and how important it is. This is why I I taught you the six fundamental doctrines found in Hebrews 6, because most Christians don't even know those six doctrines, and that's sad. And we should know those. So Ephesians chapter two, verse nineteen to twenty-two. When you get there, uh, say I have it. Now, therefore, when you see the word "therefore," I taught you. Uh, when you see the word "therefore," you gotta ask yourself, what is it there for? So he's talking about the the <laughs> the peace of Christ, but also he's talking about building and how we're brought near. By the blood of God and and by grace, through faith, we are saved. So this is a a long, continual message, and then he's getting into how to build again. So now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In other words, he's bringing us together as a family. Are you seeing that? In the household of God, he wants us to be a family. I hope you guys are seeing this. He wants us to know each other. We're not supposed to be in a church and we don't know each other, right? Okay. In other words, if, if we can't build relationships in the house of God, we, we might as well just close the doors. God is a relational God. He wants us to organically connect with one another. If you're in a church for 10, 15, 20 years and you don't have any friends in the church, the problem is not the church, it's you. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't understand. Well, the Bible said to have friends, show yourself friendly. But well, maybe you're not showing yourself to be friendly. I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not saying that that is you. I'm just saying it could potentially be you. Are, are you here with me? Right? I'm just saying that we got to work hard to build relationships. You, you can't. Relationships just don't come to us. My relationship with my, with my wife, didn't just, we didn't just, just happen to fall in love. No, we grew in love. If you fall in love, you can fall out of love. That's what happens with people who fall in love, they fall out of love. No, we grew in love, which means we were rooted in it and grounded in it. And we're continually to grow in love every day. Amen. Amen. Right? And so, so, but we had to work at it. And you got to work at developing relationships in the house of God. But I'm telling you, saints, if we can't do this, we're missing it. The Bible is clear. He wants to build a family. God is looking for a family, Jesus is looking for a body, the Holy Ghost is looking for a temple. Are you seeing this? All right, I'm gonna give you a little bit more, and then we're gonna pray. I hope y'all getting this. Are y'all getting this? Please tell me. You <laughs> Lord, please tell me. Oh, thank you, sister. You just you just did wonders for my confidence just then. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So so he he wants a household. Twenty. Having been, see that word, built on the foundation of what? Apostles and prophets. Who? Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief cornerstone. So Jesus is the chief. You can't have man as a chief. There are no chief men. Jesus is the chief. But the foundation, everything that we've been talking about, saints of God, is built on what? Apostles and And if there are no more apostles, then how are we going to build foundations? Now, I know the first thing people are going to say, well, you know, Jesus didn't choose uh, apostles for today. (laughs) Well, that's true, because we are not apostles like the apostles of the Lamb. There will never, ever be apostles of the Lamb. But this is not an apostle chosen by Jesus. This is an apostle called by Jesus. Yeah. And I'm going to prove that next Sunday when you come back for the rest of the word. Right. So let me clear this thing up about the one Jesus chooses. Do you realize that Jesus chose the first, the first 12 apostles? Yeah. There were 14 apostles before he died, and there were 14 after he died. Jesus was the chief apostle, that's one. He had 12, that's 13. Come on now, Judas, he, he he betrayed Jesus and he killed himself, but before Jesus ascended up, they chose another called Matthias, that's 14. Jesus didn't even choose Matthias, the apostles chose Matthias, so you telling me Matthias wasn't a true apostle? Right, that's fourteen. After, and I'm gonna show you by the scriptures that after he ascended, there were fourteen other apostles. That's twenty-eight. What do you do with all (laughs) twenty-eight? You make others. That's right. That's right. He's the first franchiser. Right, I'm gonna take you by the word, saints. Don't don't take my word for it. I'm gonna show you by scripture. How, boy, I almost said something. I just get mad at folks who think and claim they know more than everybody else just because they got a title. Right? So what do you do with the rest of them? Right? And what you're going to see, saints of God, I'm going to show you by the scriptures, that the reason the church is so dysfunctional is because they don't adhere to the ones Jesus called they adhere to a man called position that Jesus never put in place for that position. And I'm gonna show you that by scripture. Come on and give him a praise. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message encourage you. If you would like to learn more about C3 Church, Please visit us in person in Indian Trail, North Carolina at 5805 West Highway 74, Indian Trail, North Carolina 28079 or on the web c3churchnc.org or on facebook.com forward slash c 3 NC.